my pleasure to welcome you to Do Androids Dream in Moving Pictures, the entertainment and pop culture podcast of Not the Public Broadcaster. We're joined by the newest addition to the Not the Public Broadcaster team, the gonger, Alan Stringer. We've talked with Alan before. This isn't the first time. You're not brand new, but now you're kind of under the, the umbrella. You're part of the family. It's nice to be part of the family. Yeah, it's always good to be part of the family, Alan. Yeah. We treat family right. Uh, so, super excited to have you now contributing to the website. Uh, Alan is on Instagram, at gonger underscore reviews. His stuff is great. Really, really good. Uh, quickly digestible, but he's going to be doing some of his stuff also on our website, a little bit longer form. Alan's, you know, Alan's got a lot to say. Instagram, Instagram sometimes, you know, it uh, it restricts the the brilliant mind that is Alan Stringer. They have a character count, and I've been talking to them about it, and they're not sending. Yeah, you've been sending them emails, making phone calls, making yeah threats, <laughs> <laughs> more like threats. Yeah. Uh, so you're, you're joining us here today because we're here to talk about a very big, important movie. Um, not just, not just within the cinema canon, I guess you could say, not just for, um, current landscape, award season, what have you, but personally to both you and I, it's the sequel to one of our favorite movies, um, Blade Runner. We're of course talking about Blade Runner 2049. So, I don't know, Alan. Going into this, we had different expectations on in the outset, right? I, w- I had tempered expectations. I was really nervous. You were kind of hoping for just glory, I think. Yeah, I wanted them to... I, I wanted it to be glorious, and, well, it was. <laughs> so, uh, but no, like, uh, coming up, like, the marketing for it, I thought it was good, but I thought the trailers just looked like, what is this color palette, and what, like, what are they going for here? Is this going to be an actioner? Oh, no, they're going to screw it up. Right. And then, it, I don't know, but it had all of the tellings of a good movie. Great cast, great director, yeah. great cinematographer. Like, just, it was, it was ready to be the greatest sci-fi ever so therefore <laughs> i had to be optimistic by it yeah see i think that's where i differed though right was because it was frustrating to me that they're remake not remake they're doing a sequel to blade runner one of my all-time favorite movies if not my favorite movie and the marketing for it was like this is a commercial product and i was going like yeah. no like oh no you know and but there's all those elements, like you said. Like, how can you how can you not expect a film directed by Denis Villeneuve to not to to be bad? You can't. He's a fantastic filmmaker. Oh, Maybe one of the best working today. Yeah. Right. You you can't expect a movie shot by Roger Deakins to not be good. He's one of the best cinematographers working today. How can you not expect a movie with Ryan Gosling in it in the start of all the kind of mainstream uh, commercial? actors to have in your leading like he's fantastic he's great he's in a lot of good stuff that's not so when they were marketing this movie and they just really like it was everywhere i was super concerned yeah me too and like you could buy the the blade runner jacket before right like months before and it was just like oh what are they doing here it was like what kind of action figures they got though <laughs> but they, yeah. they didn't have any 
Oh, so you're thinking you know. that that like are they going to overshoot here? Are they going to aim for something that Blade Runner the original wasn't? That was one of my biggest worries, right? Like you said, is this going to be an actioner? And I was thinking kind of like the same thing. Like I'm thinking, it it looks like Tron or something. You yeah. know, is it going to be Tron Legacy? I don't want that. I don't want that at all, right? Yeah. And I didn't really like the original Tron either. So there, there's that as well. But here's the thing that actually solidified the optimism for me. And you know that I hate a long run time. Yeah. I oh, yeah. hate it. That's one of Alan's things. Yeah. If it's, not, if, if it's not supposed to be in the movie, take it out. It's okay. Like, <laughs> you still got a movie here. Yeah. But, uh, and, and like, uh, for instance, Wonder Woman this year. That movie was two hours and some change, and I was like, this movie is way too long. Like, we, and superhero movies, just in general, general, I don't want to pick on, because Wonder Woman was alright, but, uh, I don't want to pick on it too much, but, like, I want to use it as the example. The, there were so many scenes in that movie, it's just like, just take it out, or shorten it, or make it better. Do something with this movie, right? And, uh, Blade Runner... For me, it was two hours, 45 minutes, and I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at that, and I'm like, they're going to take some risks in this. Right. They're going to, they're actually doing something here that's going to be so ambitious. How do you make a two-hour and 45-minute Blade Runner? So that put your mind at ease. That actually put my mind at ease. Yeah, because you're like, oh, man, like commercial product, is it going to be an actioner? Oh, wait, it's really long. There's no way that it's going to be that. And that's not commercial. Right. Two hours and 45 minutes. That's what's killing this movie right now. Right. Yeah, yeah. for general audiences. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty good point. Because uh, critically, it's being... It's, like, getting so much love. I don't know what the score on Metacritic is. I go by Metacritic. Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, screw Rotten Screw Rotten Tomatoes. Tomatoes. It's all about Metacritic. And yeah. the gonger. Yeah, and the gonger. <laughs> that's where you need to go. Whatever the gonger says, that's just going to be what it is. Yeah. Let's be honest here, Alan. Let's call it spade a spade. Let's yeah. call it replicant a replicant, a human a human, right? Yeah. So you you were you were okay because the runtime was long, and that generally indicates that a film. Is I just going knew to it was going to be ambitious. It was, yeah, I knew it was going to be ambitious, and I was I was on board for that. Well, let's get into it then. Let's explore every minute of that two hundred and forty-seven, two hundred forty-seven, two hours and forty-seven minutes, two hundred forty-eight minute movie. Oh man, that would be fucking unreal. So, quick synopsis, quick breakdown of the film: Blade Runner twenty forty-nine, directed by Denis Villeneuve, good old Canadian boy, written by Hampton Fancher and Michael Green, Uh, director of photography Roger Deakins, starring Ryan Gosling, Robin Wright, Anna Darmus, Sylvia Hoax, and shockingly. Harrison Ford. So, Alan, if I could just throw it to you, one like first thought, if you could just say one thing about this film that hit you right off the bat, if someone were to say, Alan, what was what was this film? What would you say? Well, let's if you want to break it down uh, minute by minute, the the thing that just drew me in right away was the eye. Like, they started it off like a Blade Runner. It was a bit they, of a throwback, right? It was a, like, original Blade Runner. Like, they started it off with the opening crawl, like they do. Like, mm-hmm. these are replicants. This is the future. Things are bleak. Yeah. Blade Runner. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, okay. All yeah, right. all right, all right. Okay, I'm into it. And then the eye. Whose eye is it? Mm-hmm. Again, questions. The same question, but a different answer. Let's keep that in mind. We'll re- revisit that near the end. Because I think yeah. that that's a conversation, but we'll yeah. go on. 
And then we get this uh, opening shot. Now, all of a sudden, now I am taken into a new world. Like, I was expecting our opening shot to be of L.A., and it's going to be L.A. 2049. It wasn't. It was California 2049. Ah, yeah. With all these um, these solar panels and stuff. You didn't even really know what you were looking at mm -hmm. at first. And I was like, I was like, first I was like, oh, what's this? Yeah, and, so was I. Yeah. This isn't where... This isn't where Blade Runner takes place. Mm -hmm. And then they like they show you what this is and everything. And it's like a big farm. And um, and it explains it through the opening crawl and everything. And now we get to see it. And it's like, okay, I understand what's going on. And then they, uh, the, the spinner just like flies by. And you're just like, oh, what is this? This is beautiful. Mm -hmm. The, the so absolute the, visual. The, the yeah. first opening scene just blows you away. Now, this was what was very interesting for this film for me. I think on, a, on a, a high level for me, it's like if I watch this movie subjectively as a Blade Runner movie, as a fan of Blade Runner, it's, it's an amazing film. This is exactly what you want as a Blade Runner fan. Objectively, it's another story for me. But, so the opening of the film... They had the opening crawl, the, the, the red text, which is throwback. They open with the eye. They open with these towers, which was just like the original. And then the spinner flies straight through. And unlike a lot of these big blockbusters now, which they just pay that fan service in the most obvious ways, right? Like, oh, look, it's that character from that other thing. Or look, it's that object. This movie literally uses uh, the visual motif to throw back to the original. I mean, that is almost... A, uh, a visual cue by cue moment, uh, throwback to the original opening from Blade Runner, except they replace these giant black, ugly fire shooting things with a more um, organic solar panel towers, right? And then the spinner flies out, just like in the original. Yeah. So I really appreciate because the whole movie is like that in the way that it references the original film. It doesn't beat you over the head with it, it's subtle. Um, you spot it if you're a fan of the original Blade Runner, but you don't necessarily sit there and like nod and go like, yeah, and look at your buddy and be like, that's the, that's the thing, right? Yeah. So it's very subtle. They don't try and basically say like, this is a Blade Runner movie. Yeah. They're creating their own film. But it's, it, but it's very Blade Runner. Yeah. That's and why it works so it, well. Um, uh, I've always, uh, well, I've been talking about this a lot with like friends and, and everything, and uh, and through my own writing and everything, uh, I always try and break down a movie with one word. What's this movie about with one word? And if you want to take the original Blade Runner, um, I would say that movie's about death. Right. So the opening of that movie is very bleak and dark. Yeah. And if I took this movie, there's no hope in the future. It's all just death. exactly yeah. right. And if you get the uh, if you've read um, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, like Earth is dead. And there's only a few people living there. And uh, I think they took that theme uh, as well. But uh, with 2049, I think it's not about death. It's about life. Mm -hmm. So it starts off with this like very, very hopeful um, visual mm -hmm. with these solar panels like feeding things. It's very bright. And then we go to a farm and yeah. there's like, uh, um, there's food, right? And uh, everyone is trying to survive. Um, it's not the time is running out mm -hmm. for people, right? They've taken that that. Well, they're heading in the opposite direction now. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like in the original movie, it, it felt like 
like you said, time was winding down for Earth. Go to the off-world colonies. Yeah. Things are better there. And now, as the movie with opening crawl, and like you said, the farms, it feels like there's a bit more of hope. Because, and that's, that's a current relevant topic. How do we feed the world? And this movie sort of answers that in, a, in an amazing way within like five seconds. It's like, oh yeah, no, we can feed the world now, thanks to Nyander Wallace, who is mm-hmm. played by Jared Leto. Yeah. So, okay, so we got the opening shot. We know this is a Blade Runner movie now. Yeah. Instantly. But we know it's a, it's a new kind of Blade Runner movie. We know it's a new kind of film from the original Blade Runners. Where did you go from there? Like, then, then from that, you just, what? What did you feel? What did you think? Well, I was, I was soaking up the scenery. Mm-hmm. Um, Blade Runner for me is, is like, its art direction has to be like... Oh, second to none. Second to none, yeah. basically. Like, uh, sci-fi's... Um, each sci-fi has its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like, let's like take the big ones. Uh, Star Wars. The big thing is like... Um, uh, you got your spaceships, and and I'm talking about art direction. Yeah. Here, right. Uh, you got your spaceships and your cool weapons and everything like that, and your your interesting aliens. Yeah. And, and that's that's interesting to look at, right? It, it, but it's very fast paced, and sure. you, you always get something from a rewatch, right? Mm-hmm. And then with Star Trek, um, it's all about the cool spaceships and the uniforms, and again the aliens and everything like yeah. that. It's kind of the same theme with a lot of sci-fi. Sci-fi follows those themes. Blade Runner, um, the original, and this movie breaks the wheel. Right. They're showing you a future that it could be so very, very close. Like, the stylings are so very, very close yeah. to what we like. The clothes basically look the like clothes, something you'd wear now. The cars, now. The, the, the house. Like, I, I swear, I live in a place like that. Well, there's even there's even the scene where Ryan Gosling goes to uh, get some food, and he goes and he basically, it's a wall of icons, and he just presses a button, and his food... It's yeah. like fast food. We've already got that. You go to some McDonald's in the U.S. and there's like you serve yourself lines. You go put your order in, and then the food just shows up at the counter, and you take it. Yeah. So it's it's a very it's you're right. It's a very realistic portrayal of uh, projection of where we could go. Which yeah. was yeah, the original was like that, or like a film like Children of Men, for example, which oh, is a bit yeah. closer to like Blade Runner is what set in twenty. 18, I get. Is it? Yeah, it's 2019. 2019, and that was uh, like 40 years into the future of the yeah. original. In this case, Children of Men is like 10. So they could be a bit more accurate. But that's that was one of the things about the original Blade Runner, right? That was so amazing is you watched it and you thought like, yeah, oh man, that looks like some neighborhoods in Los Angeles. Like, kind of does. Run down, dirty... Yeah. Perpetually raining. <laughs> Perpetually raining, yeah. 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 So and, and so the second 2049 establishes that again, but it's had now 30 years to step forward. So it's almost like it's showing you this world, but it's still a brand new world. We haven't seen the whole world from the original Blade Runner. What, what I really, really loved um, is the progression. Like, uh, right. like, like um, in Calgary, where we live... Um, uh, we have skyscrapers going up all the time. The, yeah. the, the scenery is always changing yeah. for us, right? Um, since we are kids. And I love that they did that in Blade Runner because in the original Blade Runner, the biggest building was um, Tyrell. the Tyrell Corporation. The there was nothing right? bigger yeah. than it, right? And then they're coming up to the same building and they have like, it's a little bit more of a back shot and there's taller buildings yeah. 
behind it and you're just like oh and it, it sells that tyrell's dead yeah right and now we got all these new corporations and and everyone's like it it's almost like they had a, an environmental awakening like the world was dying and then everyone that was on earth it just like well screw it we gotta we gotta do something about this <laughs> and that was what was very very interesting okay so now jumping to the plot of the okay. film because we just we kind of established essentially where it goes. So the the movie opens with this this farm, and we meet Ryan Gosling's Agent K character right off the bat, and he's going to investigate um, a new kind of replicant. So the idea being that replicants, like as you said, cities have evolved. Yeah. Tyrell Corporation is no longer the biggest building because progress has been made. Well, there's a new kind of replicant. We find out quickly that Ryan Gosling is that new replicant. The replicants that obey, that are the perfect kind of slave. So that was a theme in the first film, the idea of slavery. What does it mean? Um, um, being afraid is to be a slave. Yeah. Things like that. So now we've established that, oh wait, they've created the perfect slave. They don't fight back. They don't question things. They just do. And he is a replicant Blade Runner who is, his job is to go retire older Blade Runners, Nexus 8s, yeah. which are the advanced form of Blade Runner from the first film. From the Tyrell. From the Tyrell Corporation yeah. because they don't have a limited lifespan. No. And they have all the other perks, but no limited lifespan. So, we won't blow it. He meets Dave Bautista's character, um, uh, Sapper Morton, who I thought, if we want to talk about the perform one of the best performances in the film in the yeah. very short amount of time he was in there, I was blown away. Goosebumps, man. Man, he was yeah. fantastic. And, you know, there's a thing about actors, and I'm going off on a tangent, but I don't care. This is our show here. Damn it. He has a very physically imposing... He's so big. Yeah, his silhouette is crazy. It's yeah. wild. The way that he can fill a frame and the way that they can shoot him, and yet there was this really um, amazing tenderness, how he was able to almost feel small to you. You know, small and and sensitive and tender in just like a five minute scene it's how he delivers his lines yeah like very soft spoken yeah he has a um uh batista he has a way of delivering uh lines where uh like you just want to be his friend or yeah. something like that this is like his 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 biggest um um, attribute as an actor is right. that he has this range and it, this guy's like Which is shocking he's a wwe wrestler yeah uh who went acting and he, he kills it he's way yeah. better like the the rock is like that that guy that's like the, the biggest superstar fan. yeah yeah he sucks compared to like i agree uh, batista yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, batista could slam you like he does he slams ryan gosling into wall and you're like well that's it for ryan gosling except he's a replicant and so, a, a yeah. real badass replicant and um, and then at the end of the day, he he's vulnerable, yeah. like he's he's small, like you said, and it's it, it's a very very amazing performance yeah. for like what not Five even ten minutes, minutes? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. So the movie opens with this great. You're immediately sucked in. You're like, damn, like little fight scene, a little moment. They they drop some nuggets, some some exposition. He says, you know, uh, how does it feel to kill one of your own? And you immediately know that Ryan Gosling's character is a replicant, which is in stark contrast to the original Blade Runner. And the original Blade Runner, one of the big uh, cult theories that grew over the years was whether or not Harrison Ford's character, Deckard, was a replicant at all. That's never even addressed in the original movie. It's just sort of 
came out of that story. Yeah. Uh, in this movie, they just throw that right out the window. Ryan Gosling is a replicant. Yeah. Right off the bat. And I wasn't sure how I felt about that at first. But I think that they took the right, the right approach because this is something that this movie 2049 did a fantastic job of. They played around with a lot of different kind of themes. Um, you know, with, with Ryan Gosling's Agent K, he's a replicant who works for the police, retiring other replicants. So he's, he's killing his own kind. Yeah. But he's not accepted by the people he works for, human beings. They still have a, they still discriminate against replicants because they're not human. So he lives in between worlds. He's almost like the way I would compare him would be like that, you know, like um, like a like a house Negro character, right? Yeah. He's not he's not out in the cotton uh, fields picking. He's inside working for the landowners and the masters. Neither so no, neither side is really um, respecting him, and they establish that very quickly. So I was thought that was a very interesting way to establish this main character immediately. It's yeah. not again. Like this whole movie does, it's Blade Runner, but it's not. It's a yeah. new story. Well, well, like even um, writing wise, they wrote that character so well. Uh, he, he's, um, I forget. I think it was Sapper Morton he was talking to, but um, he's like, "How does it feel killing your own yeah, kind or something that like Sapper, that?" Yeah. yeah. And then um, he goes, "You're not the same as me. Mm. You're not the same kind as me. My kind doesn't run." Right. And your kind does. He's like trying to justify his actions. Sure. Yeah. Right. And it's uh, at that point, like from uh, the beginning of the movie to probably um, when he first goes back to the uh, police station. Uh, the police station. Um, once they find the bones, we'll get into that. But uh, um, he is like gung ho. He's like, I'm a cop. Yeah. And this is my job. And he, he I he's think good he feels, at his job. he's good at his job, and I think he feels good about it, yeah, and everything. And it, I don't think he really thinks that all these these older replicants, these rebels, he's like they're they're a drain on society. I right. don't like they they're trying to hurt people, right, and all that. And like uh, my style of replicant, we're we're people. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's going on through his head, even though um, in the eyes of the humans, he is not people. Right, like you are a tool. Well, it's one of the great things about this movie that that added layer of, you wonder how much, because there, even later in the film when um, Robin Wright's character, um, uh, what's what's her name? Special not her Major Joshi. Oh, she. It? I think they just refer to her as um, Madame. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He calls her that a lot, but she's she's his boss. Yeah. In the LAPD. I can't remember if they she's call her the major, chief. the chief, or yeah. whatever, but she's his boss. And she shows up at his apartment later in the film for whatever reason, and he he establishes that his memories aren't his memories, and he knows they're not his memories. So you're you're dealing with a character who's like is aware that he's a replicant, is aware that his memories are not his memories is aware that his job is to go around killing his own kind, is aware that nobody is... the humans don't care about him, is aware that his supervisor doesn't really think of that. She even says earlier in the film, like, you know, he says, I've never retired something that was born before. And she said, being born implies having a soul. And she says, you've done really well so far without one. Yeah. And he's like, what? Without what? And she says, a soul. Yeah. So you've got this really interesting character because he's like, 
He's very self-aware. He's very self-aware, and that's but what, he can't do anything about it. Yeah, and what was great is when the his world starts to crumble. Yeah. And uh, he realizes that maybe my memories aren't fake. And that was like... And he, like, he breaks down. That's when he starts to break down. Yeah, his reaction to it yeah, is very interesting. And, and for, like, us, like, if we found out a memory was real... We'd probably be pretty happy about that. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that actually did happen when I was drunk that one night. Yeah, or whatever. Right? That was a great. Time. That's that's yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, being a replicant, it is different than being a person. Yeah. As as a whole, and because um, they're not rope. Right. The thing is that a lot of people think that a replicant is a robot. Yeah, and that's not. They're genetically engineered yeah. um, people. Mm-hmm. Um, like what? I'd say genetically engineered, but they're also genetically designed people because yeah. they're stronger, faster, smarter, and that. But they have that emotional disconnect. They're not emotionally um, conscious. Yeah, and that's the whole premise in the first movie, is right. Like yeah. they, they're trying, they don't react well to certain emotional stimuli because they have no concept. They don't have memories, and that's why Tyrell implants these memories into the newer ones to try to give them an ability to cope. Yeah. With these emotional responses. Well, that was that was Rachel, right? Yeah. Like, that's she didn't know she was a replicant, and she had implanted memories. And that's what made her special, mm-hmm. right? In the first one. And then they, they uh, made her more special yeah, by being able to give yeah. birth, right? Yeah. And so... So, spoiler. Like, I've been, re- I've been reading a lot about that, actually. Uh, like, a lot of people have been saying, there's nothing implied that Rachel was special. I'm like, uh, well, she didn't know she was a replicant. She was the first replicant with yeah. memories. And she was like a total experiment, and they're like, they they just like totally told the police department though when she ran off that she she ran off and that she needs to be retired. It's right. Like, yeah, she's a replicant. It's yeah. illegal. Like, what are they gonna say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So those people are dense. Yeah. Well, they're just gonna make another one. Yeah. Like the moral um, code of these people that are making a slave race. This is like a new. Um, like, that's the thing, like, um, this is a new race on the planet. Like, you got humans, you got animals, now we have replicants. Mm -hmm. And there is so many, um, morals that are broken by these people that make these replicants. Like, they they could be very benevolent, but they're not. They're malevolent, Mm -hmm. um, to these, uh, this, this, these new people. Well, they created them to use them. Yeah, exactly. And And so... Narratively, the 2049 hinges on the idea that, spoiler alert, um, when Agent K arrives and deals with Sapper Morton, Dave Batista, he discovers that there's a case of bones buried beneath Sapper's, a tree in Sapper's yard. They analyze the bones and they find out they're the bones of a woman. But she's a replicant. But this, this skeleton based on the bones they learned that died in childbirth. But she's a replicant. And so the idea being that, wait a minute, if replicants aren't supposed to have babies, and we created replicants to be our slaves, and our slaves find out that they are capable of creating themselves and procreating, what in the hell does that do to the structure of society? Yeah. The society that they have built. Yeah. And so that ultimately is what the narrative hinges on, that that this, you know, Christ-like baby this special child uh, is the key to everything, to the destruction of society, to the preservation of replicants, to the thriving of the replicants, to 
answering the question of what it means to be human if these replicants can procreate but they were never designed or intended to. That sort of thing. Um, which was great. I loved, I loved how this movie took a completely new turn from the original. My biggest problem, though, is unlike the first movie, narratively, the first film, Blade Runner, is... It has its narrative, but the themes that are and the philosophy that comes out of that is not tied to the narrative so tightly. It's Deckard has to go kill these replicants, and in the process he falls in love with one, and it's like a detective story. And all the philosophy and all the themes that you can kind of read from that about the about empathy, about what it means to be a human being, um, and then even so on and so forth about whether Deckard's a replicant and what does that mean if Deckard's a replicant and if Rachel does, Rachel's a replicant with memories, what does that say about her as a, as a being? Is she a superior being? And is Roy the superior being? All of those things are kind of like you can, you can get those themes without following the narrative. In 2049, I feel like all the themes and all the philosophy comes out of the narrative. It's not, it's tethered to it, which was a problem for me. Because I really liked that the first one, you could kind of almost just sit there and ruminate on it. How did you feel about that? Did you, did you feel that as, or did you think that, that the film works when it sort of almost spoon feeds you the themes and the, and the philosophies of what it's saying? I don't know if it's, like, it's definitely easier than Blade Runner, um... So uh, 2049 does does kind of spoon feed it to you, but it tastes so good. So <laughs> like just let's just take it uh, is kind of what I say. Yeah. Um, feed me more. Feed me more yeah. exactly. But um, you're you're right in the fact that they did need uh, to ask more questions. That that is like like we were talking about the eye. Um, whose eye is that? It's the same as the first movie. Whose yeah. eye is that? Is it Deckard's? Is it Roy's? I say it's Roy's. But and now we have a new question that we can argue about, right? Right. Forever. Forever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, and now this... nothing against twenty forty nine. I do feel like it has a lot of questions that remain that you could talk about. But definitely, yeah. um, there's a lot of weird lines in that movie too that um, that I'm uh, my my eyebrows always raising to, um, but. Uh, in terms of the themes and everything, I think, like, that movie cost a lot to make, and the marketing and it, like we were talking about before, and that two-hour and 45-minute thing, you kind of had to feed it to the general public. Like, right. I saw it um, with some friends, and at least two of them never saw the original. I, saw, I, just, wa- I just had a viewing of the original Blade Runner before um, we saw this one, uh, and a bunch of people... Uh, either couldn't remember it or has never seen it. And then after it was done, it was just like questions, right? Like, what is that movie about? And it was just like... Like Roy Batty when he met uh, Tyrell. Yeah. Questions. Questions, right? <laughs> and that's another thing about Blade Runner. Um, well, this that's more of just Blade Runner. Um, uh, that movie's about questions, too. Yeah. Uh, then we got... Um, we did have 2049, and... Once Kate meets uh, Deckard, uh, he says, "I want to ask you some questions," mm. and it's it's more about his, like, his being yeah. and everything. Well, and we've established at that point that that 
K is Deckard's son. The, the K yeah, at that is point. The, the, the child that was born, and he's discovered this whole thing, and so he's essentially going to meet his father the same way yeah. in the first film, Roy meets Tyrell and yeah. has questions. How much do we want to spoil on this one? Oh, we were, well, we're spoiling the whole thing. Okay. We're assuming anyone that you're listening to this, you may have seen 2049. Yeah, yeah, if you, if this is like 2049 companion right yeah. now, we're, we're, we're helping you, we're going to help you guys out on this one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we find out that Kay is not. Yeah. Um, that's a question though. How does he have, why does he have the memory in his head anyway? The, the, the real memory. Like, and we, like, it's implied that a lot of these replicants have the, the memory in its mm-hmm. head, right? And, but the person making that memory is making memories for a job. Right. And this person is the child. Yeah. And as we discover later. Yeah. As we discover later. And, um, and, which was, by the way, a beautiful scene because when yeah. Ryan Gosling goes to meet her, thinking that she can tell him whether this memory in his head is a real memory or an implanted memory, she watches it. And we don't know at the time yeah. that she's the child. And we don't know that this memory is her memory. Yeah. And so when she watches it, she starts to cry. Yeah. And you're like... The second time viewing that, you're just like, oh man, I feels, I feels now. Right. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> she's seeing her own memory and there's a whole host of things. Either she's crying because she's remem- she's having this memory and she's reliving it and it's emotional for her. Or she's watching it and she's realizing that Agent K is this special replicant that she put the memory in or maybe he's one of many. Yeah. Who knows? But she's knows? she's crying. And that was just a great moment. That was a great yeah. moment. And uh, and then it just raises that question, why'd she do it? Mm-hmm. And that is not answered. Like, And it's not even... Like, you can't... I, w- I was pondering it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if you really, really want to think about it, there is no... Like, they don't answer that in the movie at all. Why does she do it? Right. Does she just do it because, uh, I had nothing better to put in there right. for that right. time, right? Or is it some deeper meaning? Something that we can debate over. And that's what's beautiful about Blade Runner. Yeah. Um, is that uh, they're able to allow the audience to have these discussions about... Like, I've had a million discussions about just Blade Runner. Yeah. Um, Roy's action. Why, why does Roy save Deckard? At the end, right? He could have let him fall. Um, but he doesn't. Why does he do this? Because Deckard's a replicant and he knows or something weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we get that question with this character and Kay. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why did you put the memory in there? Mm-hmm. That's very interesting to me. Yeah, I I think uh, we go down the rabbit hole of interpretations. Oh, we totally but I, I think that that is a great point and that what 2049 does is... I don't know what the, the term is for, but when you look at an object from a certain angle and then you change the angle and the object appears different, appears new, you know, that's what this movie is constantly doing. Like one line you will say you're looking at it this way and then another line, which just seems like a throwaway line, like as you said with the, when Agent K meets um, kind of the replicant underground and they say, well, we all believe we're, that we're that child. And you're just like, wait, what does that mean? And so all of a sudden they're saying, look at it from a different angle. And so I think that this movie does a fantastic job of that. It is constantly asking you those questions. Like the first film, it's constantly saying, look at it a different way. You don't have to just watch this film and be like, okay, 
you know, he's a replicant, they're replicants, that's a replicant, it's his memory, Deckard's a replicant, okay, that's all it is. So you don't have to stick with this, the narrative as it's, as it's fed to you. You can create interpretations of it, which is what all the great movies do. Yeah, and remember what I told you when we walked out. What did you tell me, Alan? I said that I think uh, Dene Nueve... Denny Villeneuve. I can't. I can't say. You're his name a Canadian yet. and you don't have a good French accent. What's wrong with you? From Alberta. <laughs> uh, Build our pipeline. I speak Harper like, or I speak French like Harper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, what was I? What was I saying? I have no idea. Oh, uh, when I came out of the theater, I said to you, "They made that movie specifically for me." <laughs> and. Um, uh, but that's that's not true. They made that movie so I would think about it and I would I would see it through my own eyes and yeah. I would interpret it my way. Yeah. Just like you saw it your way. Every like everybody I've talked to has like seen it a different way. Yeah. And I think that's the most interesting part. Like you didn't see that scene like I did. Right. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And every like a lot of movies we see, everybody sees the same thing. You're you're yeah. seeing what the the filmmaker's vision is, right? Um, and this they, don't, is... they don't do it in a confusing way. I, I, no, like, that shouldn't be mistaken. Like some some films, two people will have different interpretations because the film doesn't do a good job, mm-hmm. right? This film, it's it's Denis Villeneuve. He's fantastic. He knows what he's doing. The writing is great. The direction is great. We know which direction the narrative is moving, and it's not confusing. But it leaves that little margin for you to kind of hop in and wait around and be like, what is it? What is it all about? Yeah. Yeah. And we can discuss. We can, we can, we went to the bar afterwards and we had a really good discussion about that. Yeah. And, uh, that's, that's the mark of a, of a great movie. Now here's a great example of that because I know you wanted to talk about the acting in the film. Yeah. My favorite, favorite, favorite character in the whole movie, um, was, um, uh, Sylvia Hoke's performance as love. Yeah. I thought she was just stole the show. Yeah. Um, and I don't even know if like that was like because the the role the character was the most interesting and well written, or if that was just like her performance. And I think it's a bit of both, obviously. But she was phenomenal. She, uh, Sylvia Hoax, that's her name. Yeah. Uh, she did her homework. Oh. I I I. She's probably she might have watched Blade Runner the original more times than me just to like. <laughs> Just to understand what a replicant is, because mm. she definitely understands what that replicant, uh, that replicant mindset. Because she is asked, this is the thing about her, she is asked to kill. Mm. I don't think she's ever done that before. Right. And she's asked to kill, and that screws with her emotionally. She starts crying. Yeah. She does weird, weird things. And what's fascinating about that is that the new, the new Nexus models, the new replicants are designed to obey they can't yeah they can't not do what they're told and so there's this amazing juxtaposition of this character who's told to kill and kill someone and then cries it's like it's like they're a sociopath or something you're like that is so strange like why are you crying you just you just killed that person that was your intention the entire time you seem like you enjoyed it yeah but what's going on in the back of your head it was fascinating i thought that was a really interesting choice i don't know if it was written in the script or if that was a choice but her character is fractured that's Mm. that's the thing and then the the emotional um uh like she's not emotionally intelligent 
at all. Mm-hmm. She's like a child. Like when she's talking to the the police chief before she kills her, um, she she sounds like a child. Yeah, and it's like I'm gonna tell him this, and 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 then I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, and it's just like you do what you have to do, and it's like all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, she is like a child. Uh, I think there's even a line there. It's like a child with um, a microscope melting an ant. Yeah, that's right. right. She says, you, you little thing, you think... And I was just like, oh my god, Like she was, she was fantastic. Yeah. And of course, the fact that she crushed the glass and held it in her hand, I was like, I've never seen that before. That's just fucking terrifying. Yeah. They allow... I, I think um, uh, Dene, he, he just let her go, right. too. Like... Uh, just, just go crazy. He, he probably said because <laughs> yeah. there's a when she, uh, when you think that he, she defeats K, and uh, she like grabs him and kisses him. Yeah. I was like, that's definitely just her, just like going nuts. Right. Like, I'm fucking so into this right now. Yeah. And then just goes in for the kiss, and then like throws him back, and then walks back all like, uh, like I'm the man. Me like, I'm the best. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And she says to him, like I'm the best three. one. Yeah, she yeah. does. Which was a very interesting line, too, because I think for a lot of people who've seen the first Blade Runner, that is kind of a question people ask. Which of the replicants was the superior replicant? Yeah. Was the best? So I thought that that was a really interesting line that she, she had in that. Okay, so for me, it was Sylvia Hoax. Was there anybody else in that film? I mean, we already talked about Batista. Uh, I think Anna de Armas was, was great. She really... Um, one of the issues, I guess, I had with 2049 was at times I felt like what does Agent K, like, want? Like, what is... It was hard for me to get in because he is this replicant who's designed to just obey things. And so, how does he have much agency in anything? And that's where Anna de Armas's character come in. Joy is essentially a computer program. She's designed to satisfy whoever owns her, um, no matter who they are. And yet... You watch this movie knowing full well that she is just like him. She is programmed to obey. But unlike Kay, she has... She seems to grow emotionally and expand and and fill voids that are created. Whereas Kay seems so rigid. He can't do anything. Here's the thing about her character. Upon second viewing, this is where I caught it. Okay. Um, she is programmed to do exactly what you just said. Um... The only thing is, she is programmed to fall in love with uh, whoever owns her. Right. And that is actually the thing that just crushes Kay. Uh, there's that part where he's like walking, he's all bloodied and everything, and he had, he's been asked to kill Deckard. Yeah. And he, he's having this very massive moral questioning on his hands. He's yeah. like, I don't even care about anything. The only thing that I loved is gone. Yeah. Right? And then... This is where it all like just crushes down on him. Uh, the giant hologram an of advertisement. Joy is an advertisement, yeah. and it doesn't look like her, but it is her. And she like lo- her uh, eyes are black. Her eyes are black. Yeah. It's like a it's like a demon, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, a ghost or, or a ghost yeah. or something. And it it comes down and it's like, hey, you look like you're lonely and all this. I don't know the exact lines, but it's like you look like a good Joe. And that's when it came to me. I was like, oh, she's programmed to do that. Yeah. Like, these things are almost marketed toward, towards replicants to yeah. name the replicant and everything. Right. And uh, are there a lot of replicants named Joe? Yeah. Like, is this <laughs> what's going on here? And that's when he realizes, like, everything that I've known is a lie. Right. These memories in my head are real, but they're a lie. They're not mine. The thing that I loved is programmed to love me. It's right. a lie. 
there's so many things here that's just a lie. And that's when... I had no choice in, essentially, okay. And uh, at the end of it all, he chooses life. That's why, again, right? He chooses to save Deckard. He chooses to save Deckard and erase him from existence, and then let's let's set things right. Mm. This is like, by erase him, you mean by uh, by um, uh, faking his death, wiping any yeah. record of him. Yeah, okay. uh, not murder him. him. I'm no. gonna save you, and then I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, yeah. and then takes him to his daughter, uh, and then let's like completes the cycle. He doesn't care. Like Wallace's dream. That's, it's, who cares, right? And uh, this rebellion, he, like, who cares? He's now seen that the world is a lie. Mm. This is what, I think this is what um, Kay is thinking. Um, The world is a lie, I'm a lie, but this is true. I know this is true. Yeah. And I have to preserve truth. I guess you could say that... um, uh, 2049, uh, if you wanted to bring it down to one word again, it's truth. Right. I would like to say it's life more because the other one's death, life, <laughs> but whatever. Well, but what's more true than life? Yeah, right? but you could say that the other one was about truth as well. Yeah. Um, so, I I don't know. On those ends, I'm still pondering that. But <laughs> but on second viewing, that Joy character, yeah, that really blew my mind, actually. Uh, and that, and uh, my... F- like the first time I saw it blew my mind. The second time I saw it, it was that Joy character that right. actually blew my mind. I was like, "Oh man, she doesn't, she doesn't love him." Well, maybe she does, but it's not. Right. It's so artificial at that point. And that's one of the that's one of the things that's so unique about this movie is unlike some films about robots that just they are trying to convince you that robots feel. They have feelings. They're, you know, all these things. And so it never even brings into question the fact that these things are just programmed. All of the replicants in this movie, you're constantly, like, playing this mental gymnastics with yourself. Like, are they doing this because they're feeling they need to do this? Are they emotionally reacting to these things? It do- Does Joy truly love Kay? And yet you still feel like Joy loves Kay. Whether she's programmed to or not, you're like, ah, they that's so tender. It's such an emotional moment. When when they ha- when she finally has that moment through the surrogate other replicant where they um, they make love, you're like, oh, it's like a tender. Like she did that for him. Yeah. And you're like, oh, but is she she's programmed to or is she not? Is know, that some agency in her? It's 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 a mind boggler. Right. It blows your mind. Right. And. And then it's that it's, it's that line that that ghost that we'll call it the ghost the giant ghost. Mm. Um, you look like a good Joe, and <laughs> I was just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's where it came to me that that thought that it was like this is this is his darkest moment. Mm. Uh, it's not that he's been beat up. It's not that his his um, his lover's gone. It's at this moment where he knows that everything in his life is absolutely a lie. Yeah. Even the love of his life that he that was the thing he cared about. That was his driving force. Yeah. In a lot of ways. And that was a lie. Yeah. And then him seeing what what truly matters in the world, and that's this uh father daughter relationship. That's surreal. Here's one to ponder then. So in his instance, um because this is the game that you end up playing when you talk about Blade Runner, right? Are they a human or are they a replicant? Neander Wallace. Do you think that, that Jared Leto's character, Neander Wallace, is a replicant or a human? Does it matter? Or 
Because I saw, I read an article the other day, because you're all, everyone's going to ask themselves the question of who is, who isn't, whatever, whatever. It's fascinating when you consider the ramifications of if a character like Neander Wallace is a replicant. Because his whole motivation is trying to make replicants procreate. So would that make him, like... He does have some weird lines, actually. Like, we should own the stars. His stilted way of speaking. Yeah. He talks like this the whole movie. And he seems very emotionally not there, too. Yeah. Yeah. He's completely willing to just slash open a brand new baby born replicant woman. Slash her open, let her bleed out and die. Yeah. And it's. Yeah, he's. Here's another one. Just to go even crazier on you. He was, within the film, alive around the time of the original Blade Runner. Yeah. When Voight Kampf tests were still in use. Yeah. And he doesn't have eyeballs. They're silvered out. He's a blind man. So no one could ever test to see. If he, like, did he, did he break himself so he can't give Voight Kampf? What? Yeah. Right? What? Right? I didn't even think about that. I know, man. And, and then his little robot things that fly around, and he's got the little robot chip on his neck. I mean, I understand that, you know, we're talking about, like, this human beings getting little robots in their bloodstream. There's probably, like, a, a little bit of augmentation happening with humans and stuff like right. that. Right. But, but but still. You don't see it in the in the movie uh, no. on any other humans. You don't no. see any of that. That's the thing. These questions all have, like, there's no, like, oh, did you see that guy over there, though? No, there's no. no guy over there with yeah. that thing, right? It's Wallace. He has that thing. Interesting. I, I didn't know. actually think about it that way. I just I just saw him as like a very um, malevolent character. Yeah, he's like an evil Elon Musk. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of it, he does mirror that sort of thing. Yeah. Um. So so heavily like that. What's great about this movie, and like I like to say to, uh, about every great movie is that it mirrors our times yeah social commentary it's a social commentary and it's like a little history lesson Mm. too for like people in the future they're gonna watch this movie and they'll be like wow this is what uh 2017 was like (laughs) yeah um even though it takes place in 2040 they'll watch in 2049 and they'll be like wow this is what people in 2017 thought 2049 was gonna be like but it's actually just a mirror of our times and we have these like giant rich people moguls who we're like who are trying to save the planet yeah we have like wallace is not doing something so different he is trying to save the human race Mm -hmm. but now with those questions that you just asked is he actually trying just to save the replicant race because he refers to them as angels yeah in that one line that he says we should own the stars does he refer to humans, humans or does he refer to replicants yeah. who are actually building these things? And because the film, this film also asks the question or poses the question of whether Tyrell had some active agency in Deckard and Rachel procreating, which means that he would have had some, he would have created them for that sole purpose. Neander yeah. Wallace in this film, in some shape or form, you could see that as he was he's a replicant who's been programmed to set free all the replicants. Yeah. By, by baby by being a martyr. 
Who knows? That's the crazy thing about this movie, man. The, the Blade Runner movies. This is not some franchise where you just sit there and you just say, oh, it was just a wonderful film. It was shot so well and the acting was great and I enjoyed this, the commentary about power dynamics. Like, this was like a, like, oh my god, like, maybe this is that thing and these... It's a true uh, thinking sci-fi. Yeah. And that is... That is all I ever want with my sci-fi. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, I, that. Like I said, it, it's it's that full meal deal with the toy included. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. Well, Alan, we're we're closing in on the hour mark. Is there anything else that you wanted to say about this film? Oh. I mean, we 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 could talk about the the cinematography and the CGI and all that stuff, but I feel like that go is just... Go see it. Go see yeah, this movie. Yeah, just go see it. Like, yeah. We don't need to talk about all that other stuff because it's so obvious. You just see the commercials, yeah. it's all of that. It's fantastic to look at. Yeah, like go see the movie. Check well, it out. Well, hopefully you did not listen to this podcast and then go see yeah, this if movie. You, yeah, we've just ruined it. Well, for at the same time, we helped them out with the story. Yeah. Uh, now just go watch the movie. It's a beautiful movie. Just a it visual, is. stunning movie. Uh, the only, uh, I'm not even, mm. well, now Harrison Ford, I'm just going to say this, Harrison Ford has been playing the same character <laughs> for, and I say this in my review, if you read my review, um, uh, yeah, he, there's maybe three times where he's actually Deckard, right. um, an aged Deckard, and then the rest of the time he's Harrison Ford playing Deckard, and yeah. oh, I, I gotta say, Harrison Ford used to be the like one of the best character actors right it, like from uh the 1980s all the way through to like uh the 2000s he uh always had a new character for each movie he did right. and uh for the past few movies like indiana jones like these top franchise movies yeah yeah he, i think he's been collecting a paycheck and everyone just loves him because he's harrison ford he's very charismatic but now he's just an old dude in a yeah. Haynes t-shirt hanging yeah. out in Las Vegas. Yeah. Why didn't they like put him in a trench coat? It do, was weird. Do you think he uh, just like I don't want to wear a trench coat? Cuz he would do that. <laughs> but even even still like I didn't mind the t-shirt. But like maybe put some holes in it. Like maybe make it seem a little It looked like a brand new out of the bag Haynes t-shirt. It, yeah. Like it was, it was weird. I was like, "What?" Is this? Everything about that character was just like awful. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think they got some good stuff in <laughs> they there. They did, yeah, they did, uh, writing-wise yeah. and acting-wise, like, uh, the, um, when he's having the confrontation with Wallace, and then they bring out, uh, the replicant, mm. the new replicant, Rachel, which I got a million things to say about that, but, don't well, even, we're, don't, we're not even getting into don't that. Don't talk about Rachel. No, we we'll, won't talk about Rachel. Yeah. Um, but... We need to talk about Rachel. <laughs> yeah, we need to talk about Rachel. But, um... That scene was really, really well done, and that was uh, Harrison Ford as Deckard. Dude, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, that was one hundred percent the the voice, the uh, mannerisms, everything. He was bringing his A game there. Yeah. When he's with Agent K, not so much. Uh, yeah, it could have been better. Yeah, and I think uh, some of the stuff though, I really enjoyed the fight with the Elvis in the background. I have a whole thing about nostalgia trips and all that stuff as it, within that scene. Yeah, but yeah. good point. Good point. It's just a well-crafted scene. They yeah. they well-crafted those scenes. Oh, it's man. just um, Harrison Ford wasn't bringing yeah. his A game. And again, the set design and the sound design, like when he was cut, the music was cutting in and out and like the graphic would show up and then disappear. Yeah. And they did that a lot with Joy as well. She just like, the hologram would, it was yeah. like, whew. They, listen, I want them to continue to make movies 
this. Like, yeah. if this is what you're going to spend a whole bunch of money on and you're going to lose money on, keep making them, man. Yeah. This is what I'd rather see than you go make... Anyway, they're not going to, though, because they're a bunch of jerks and this one didn't make a bunch of money. But it was like, where did they think that this was a commercial property? Like, where did they think that? The original came out in 82. Everyone forgot about it. It didn't even come back into prominence for 10 years. And then after that, it slowly built up this, like, oh, this maybe this movie was actually great. For, like, until now. Where in the world did they think that this was going to be, like, uh, the general population was just going to consume this thing like a commercial franchise? Still blows my mind. I don't know yeah. what they were thinking. I don't know what they were thinking either. I'm glad you know they thought it, because they spent the money on it and made it look amazing. You know what? I, I, I just think everybody that's running the... Like, you saw all the product placement in there yeah. that just worked so beautifully. Oh, yeah, yeah. Again, yeah. the subtlety of it. Yeah. yeah, I think everybody that was in, like, a Coca-Cola, Atari, <laughs> Sony... I think that they're just, like, dudes maybe just a bit older than us, like, maybe in their 40s or something like right. that. And um, they were like, oh, yeah, I'll put some money into a Blade Runner. That movie's sick. <laughs> right? And then they were like, oh, yeah, will you give us, like, a billion dollars, dude? Oh, yeah, man. Like, yeah. Coke's going to give you a billion dollars. <laughs> Sony's going to give you a billion dollars. Like, we want to – and it's going to – we're going to market it, and it's going to be great. <laughs> and then it, it bombed, and, and I don't think they care. There's like they're sitting there and like wow we made a Blade Runner and it's good and then that's, and I I think that's uh, hopefully yeah. that's what's gonna drive it because uh, remember um, there's the box box office mm -hmm. and then there's uh, merchandising yeah I think they're gonna just merchandise the hell out of it those those jackets that yeah. came out like the three hundred dollars a piece and Oof. good luck trying to get one you tried. Well, I just checked it out. I want to see what they're, those were selling at. Yeah. And, yeah, those are, like, um, maybe they have more now. But, yeah, uh, first time I saw it, it was, like, running low. And then second time, sold out. And I was like... Were they Deckards from the original, or were they... No, they're the Adrian K one. The green... green right? Or... Before he even gets to wear it, you get to see that. He's, like, wearing it all cool yeah. with it, like, over his um, face over his and face, stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, the oh, man, what a cool trench coat. Yeah, right? Trench I want one so bad. But... I'm I'm gonna get uh, the gold jacket with the scorpion on the back and drive before I get that probably. That's just me though. Yeah, I don't know. I wanna I wanna dress Blade Runner now. That's that's my thing. <laughs> just walk. I've been like looking for sweater like the stuff that he wears under the trench coat, like yeah. the sweaters and stuff. I'm like I wanna I wanna be Ryan Gosling. Halloween's coming up. <laughs> I wanna Halloween's be Ryan Gosling. All right. All right. You have been listening to Android's Dream of Podcasts. I've been here with the Gonger. Alan Stringer. Alan, it was a pleasure. Thank you, my friend, for coming into the studio here. Oh, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. You can follow Alan on Instagram at G-O-N-G-E-R underscore reviews at gonger underscore reviews. Check him out or on notthepublicbroadcaster.com. I've been your host, Reese Dogan. I am out.